0: Welcome to the Everyman's Battle podcast. I'm Steve Arterburn, co-author of the book Everyman's Battle. In the year 2000, New Life Ministries created the Everyman's Battle workshop. Now this workshop's been held monthly ever since, and it's designed to coach and challenge men to better understand their struggles and also how to navigate through those struggles with God's help. The Everyman's Battle podcast contains provocative conversations led by J.J. West and Doug Barnes, they're licensed family and marriage counselors, they are also leaders of the Everyman's Battle workshops. Hey guys, welcome to the Everyman's Battle podcast. We are so excited that you are taking this journey with us and that you are listening. Today, I'm super excited because we are going to spend the day covering all things Doug. <laughs> we are we're gonna we're gonna find out more about Doug. Uh, how he got here, uh, how he got into this field, how he ended up working with EMB, how he ended up on this podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for you that you get to know him better. I'm excited that I get to work with him. And uh, I'm excited that he's on the hot seat and I'm not. <laughs> so uh, really excited. So Doug, I know you've been married for 31 years. You got two boys. Uh, remind me of their ages. 21 and 16. 21 and 16. So you're getting closer and closer to that empty nest uh, area of life. Uh, And you've been working with EMB since 2006. Is that correct?
1: I've been working with the workshop, yeah, since 2006. I've actually worked with the actual work of EMB and New Life Ministry since 2001.
0: 2001. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you've been a therapist for how long? Since when? Twenty-eight years. Twenty eight years. Eight years. So you've probably seen a thing or two. You're kind of like the Farm Bureau or what is it? Farmer Farm what is the there's some insurance company that that talks about the fact that they've seen a thing or two. You've seen a thing oh, or two. Farmers. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: I have seen a thing or two, heard a thing or two, been there, done that.
0: i I figured that's the case. Which begs the question, Doug, how and why did you get into the field of counseling to begin with?
1: Yeah, thanks JJ. Uh it's it's really an honor uh to be here and to uh to be asked to be a part of this. It's it's really a cool thing for me. Um the the short answer is that there came a time in my life when I it, it's almost like the prodigal, right? The scripture says and when he came to his senses. It's 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 almost like I had this this wake up aha moment that said if I keep acting, doing, saying, being the person I am now, I'm going to lose everything near and dear to me. Mm-hmm. and so I realized at that moment how my words are how jacked up I really was, how really mm-hmm. messed up I was, the the thoughts I had, my belief systems, um my attitude toward things uh it was it was going downhill. Even though I was raised in the church, I mean, from from day one, I, gr- I grew up in in a little city, Garland, Texas, at the First Baptist Church, and uh, I was raised there. All my friends were there. We were we were there all the time, and so there really wasn't a time when I wasn't involved in some type of church activity. So we were brought up memorizing scriptures and, and being in uh, the youth group, you know, in whatever capacity and, and it, I just, I I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't know how to fix it. Mm. And so to understand that a a little bit better, I, I saw my first, my first naked girl at the age of five and that really changed how i looked at girls from then on Mm. now this was a long time ago okay so so things were different and and the 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 skirts were just as short but but there was a, a different type of innocence about it that is not present today today it's more in your face back then it was not quite so prominent Mm-hmm. But that didn't stop me from wanting to look more and more and more and more. I can remember being at, at Sunday school on Sunday morning when I was, uh, oh gosh, probably six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. I'm playing on the floor and my Sunday school teacher, she she was walking you know, over close to me and she was talking to some other kid. And I inched my way in between her legs so I could look up her dress. Yeah. I mean, who does that? Right. I mean, <laughs> I'm supposed <laughs> right. to be this God-fearing little boy. And mm. all I wanted to do was to, to confirm what I had seen at five. Yeah. Is everybody that way? Right. Cause I'm not built that way, but, but right. Th- there's something different about girls. So, so I had this, this, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a, a quest, but, but it was a, a, choice to really go and look and want to look. Mm-hmm. Um, my first real porn image force. was at 13. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, so most of my friends were girls because I wanted the opportunity to, to have a look because uh-huh. I, it was, it was puzzling and exciting and, and just confusing all at the same time. Uh, so Fast forward, uh, thirteen. I uh, saw my first porn images, uh-huh. and that really changed how I treated women, treated girls. At the time, I was in, you know, seventh grade, uh, eighth grade, in between there, and um, I I began to really stare at you know what we call boobs, hair, butt, and body. Right. right, and I be, it began to change the way I talked to girls, the who were my friends, who I really desired and coveted and fantasized about. I mean, I I discovered you know masturbation uh, a little bit later on, and all during high school, it was all about the the sexual activity, whatever sexual activity I could find. So, whether that was masturbation, whether that was pornography, whether that was discovering, um, you know, in the backseat of cars and mm-hmm. under bleachers and in right. the, you know, gym, you know, wherever I right. could get a girl right. alone, that's what I would. And, and I would, I mean, I can think back on and just, I mean, it breaks my heart that, that I, I did some of these things. Mm-hmm. What must they have been going through with me? Right. I mean I I look back on that and it didn't just I mean it makes me sick right. to my stomach that that I would do some of those things.
0: At the time, we didn't think anything of what's Oh totally. Like oh my gosh, her, it was right? so exciting.
1: No. Oh yeah. yeah. It was awesome. So, I
0: mean I, so I would I have to it was awesome right? at the time. Okay. As yeah. you're as you're going through this, right? As your mm-hmm. your sexuality is awakening and you're exploring further and further. You clearly had the the teaching from church about sex, which I want to know, what, 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 how would you summarize that? But then what was the, what was the, what were the rules or uh, the themes within your family around sex and sexuality? Did you guys talk about it at all? Did you have questions? Did you, you know, did you talk to mom or dad or older sibling or whatever? uh, Or did you feel like you were on your own with this?
1: Yeah that that's that, uh that's great great questions. Um our family rules were uh we don't talk about anything. Okay? Right. I I never got I never got the talk, right? My my dad. Well, first of all, my my dad really uh, he didn't talk to me very much. Um mm. I I don't ever now he may have said this, but I do not remember him saying I love you ever. Mm. ever. Now, okay. did he? Probably, but I don't uh-huh. remember it, okay, yeah. so we didn't talk about issues that were going on uh in the family. They just kind of happened. I don't remember my parents ever fighting uh-huh. if they fought, they did it behind closed doors so i so I didn't learn about conflict I didn't learn about confrontation uh-huh. and I was the baby of my family, so there were there were I had two older brothers. And so there were okay. five of us in the house. I was the baby of the family. And so by the time I came along, I, I, and this is all conjecture because my, my father passed away when I was 21. Mm-hmm. And, and so there was no, there was no real dialogue with, with problems. And so I thought I was left to my own devices, right? So I mm-hmm. found out what sex was on my own. I mean when when I found out at porn at 13 I'm I'm again you you go back to okay so what is what did I learn about church well the the church what I remember was abstinence don't do it don't uh-huh. engage in it so they weren't they didn't necessarily teach me other than saying don't do something well you get a hormonal teenager and you tell him not to do something what's he going right. to do I mean right let's right. get real right and so, just, just ignore
0: um, this base desire that, that seems to drive every decision you make. Just ignore it. <laughs>
1: right. Everywhere yeah. I look, every word that comes out of my mouth, every place I go, right, just ignore right. all that. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, yeah. so it's, it's, it, it gets down to um, I, I really was left to my own devices. So, so I did what I thought, meaning I learned about masturbation on my own. I, I learned about sex on my own. And I wasn't about – if we don't talk about anything in my family, I'm not about to say anything to anybody.
0: Sure. I mean I'm not sure. about not to approach about my dad. Yeah. No, no. Goodness yeah. no. We don't talk I about mean, anything. But here, let me bring up the most embarrassing topic <laughs> I can think of.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and for me, it was. We didn't talk about that, which you know really drove a lot of, of my activity underground. Mm -hmm. I was, I was the baby of the family. So a lot of the cliches about babies of the family is true for me. I got away with so, so much that I would incriminate myself if I (laughs) went into that here on this podcast, (laughs) which that'll be for a later time. So Uh we'll save that. We'll save that. But, but the family rules were about just, we don't, we don't talk about that big boys. Don't cry. Yeah. Right. Don't, you, you have to stop crying, or I'm going to give you something to cry about, type of thing. Uh huh. And so, shame shame was a, a an internal motivator, but it wasn't overt. My dad didn't talk uh, okay. to me, so my mom did most of the the parenting. Not parenting, but uh, discipline.
0: Discipline, right? Okay.
1: And so, there came a time. I think when I, this is conjecture on my part. I love my mother. She's 94 years old. Still still going. But I think there came a time when she got tired and I, again, was left to do whatever I was left to do. I I think she got tired of of disciplining Mm -hmm. because she can't discipline what she doesn't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So whether I would stay out later or whether I would get into drugs or whether I was with some girl down at some park, she will know that now after she listens to this, but she didn't know a lot of that. Thing. And so, so growing up, there wasn't any real parental, you know, looking over me. There was no parental stuff happening. Yeah. Even though growing up, I knew right from wrong. I was uh-huh. a really good student. So school, even up through high school was really easy for me.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I took advantage of the, the good nature of the girls that were around me uh-huh. and I took advantage
0: Yeah, and,
1: uh, I just, I, you know, again, it just makes me sick to my stomach to think about all the things that I did that were, were I, the, the dirty word is perpetrated. I don't want to use that word, but, but I did things based upon the porn that I saw, um, mm. based upon what other girls had said, Hey, no, I don't like that, but I like this, those kinds of right. things. And yeah. And so I just made it, you know, chalked it up to a repertoire of sexual activities and couldn't wait to try it on anybody that'd let
0: me. Okay. So all that's that background. Now, how did Mm -hmm. you get into now working with guys dealing with or struggling with these same things?
1: Yeah. So uh, my dad died when I was 21 and Mm -hmm. that really, really messed with me um, because Um, not only was I sexually acting out, but I was also doing drugs. Um, and I, uh, I, I, I just, I felt just a loss. Like I was Mm. just a lost kid. I was, I would, I didn't know my way. I, I kind of had this, this thing of. Well, gee, my dad will guide me through, you know, when I get to an adult, great, we'll be on the same level and we'll be best buds and we'll go have a beer Mm -hmm. together and we'll, Mm -hmm. you know, smoke cigars together and tell stories and blah, blah, blah. Well, that didn't happen. And that, that view I had got, got just all busted up. And so, um, shortly after he died, I mean, I was, I was depressed I was just uh, my 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 acting out just accelerated. I mean, I was just trying to numb the pain. I didn't want to feel anything. And so that started my my quest. Uh again, you know, I told you man, I just I just knew I was jacked up. I knew something was wrong. And so uh-huh. I I went to see some counselors. Uh they helped me out. Um and they helped me out to the point of, you know, I I am really indebted to what they helped me with. Grief wise, depression wise, and I thought, you know, they're, I might want to do this. This that you know, they helped me. I wonder mm. if I can help anybody else. Right. So fast forward. Now I I get married. I, um, uh, I you know I I graduated college. I got married. I've had a couple of jobs, and. I realized about um, – well, I worked in, uh, for New Life from 2001 to 2010, uh-huh. and so in the middle of that, it was about 14 years into marriage, I, I realized because I had taken my acting out behaviors into my marriage. And so yes. I, I knew I have a computer science background. And so I knew how to manipulate computers. I'd take them apart, you know, put in hard drives, put in all the hard- hardware, redo the software. I knew how to do all of that and so after a while, you get really good at it mm-hmm. and I realized that it was it was again taking me down into this really dark place and so i uh i i honestly i woke up one night and said, Hey, I am really messed up. This this pornography is jacking with my head, it's jacking with my, my witness, it's jacking with everything I've got. Mm-hmm. I happen to be working for you know, New Life Ministries. I worked for the ministry even though mm-hmm. I was acting out. Of course nobody knew right. at the time. Right. But I mean you didn't but, you didn't
0: wear your I act out t
1: shirt to work. <laughs> <laughs> no. Or hey I'm a porn addict. You should be too, you know, that kind of stuff. No, I didn't <laughs> right, advertise right. that. but and and so i'd be talking about the workshop every single day and every day and every day and every day for like five years and it it came down to man i wasn't being nice to my wife i was not a very nice person i i was acting out secretly all behind closed doors and i just said i've got to do something about this Mm -hmm. well my boss at the time said hey so and so can't make it to work at the workshop in whatever whatever city. Can you work that? Can you go to that? Because I need you there to see about you know working at every man's battle. Okay. And of course, I jumped at the chance. I'm going. Okay, man, this is a free ticket out. So, so what, what was I, your I role? The, that the first one was a as as a participant.
0: Oh, it was. It was oh, two, okay. okay. Yeah, it
1: was right in 2006. Right in 2006 uh-huh. in April. 2006 it was to go to every man's battle and to to actively participate to see what it was like to actually be in in the group
0: uh-huh
1: okay and so and so that's a part of our workshop right so we facilitate groups we have a main session and then a, a, a small group session and it was in those small groups where i actually took off the masks i got real Mm. I got down and dirty with my junk yeah. and I just said, okay, God, you provided the out and I'm, I'm, I'm taking it. And that was, that was a weekend that changed my life forever to this day. Wow. That, that the, the tools that we talk about at the workshop and the tools that, that I got then, a lot of them are still things that I do today. I mean, my my plan has changed a little bit here and there, but but for the mm-hmm. most part, it's still the plan that I use today as a way of walking in that integrity and that freedom. And and the greatest the greatest gift I got was the guys around me. It's that connection, mm-hmm. and I've I've lived through that connection. I mean, now I've, it's it's changed from those guys because that was so long ago. It's changed to some other guys, but it is through that connection that I have that continued freedom in my life. I have I have intimacy with other men that I never even thought I, I wasn't even on my radar. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even say the words twenty years ago. Yeah. But now, I rely on those guys so heavily for just walking day to day to day because I know myself and I know what those triggers are, those internal and external triggers, those boundaries that I need to put up in place, where I need to go, where I don't need to go. I've learned that over the years and it's taught me to live a life of integrity that I never really had experienced prior to 2006. So from 2006, it was the next month (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where my uh-huh. boss was talking about you know the the therapist that couldn't make it, he said, "Hey, can you go?" Uh-huh. And I jumped at the chance, yeah, and so from that from that month on, I've been working with the workshop on the weekends, and wow. it has been like I said, just a gift of all gifts, right, so that i can i can I can work with guys. I see God work in real time from Friday to Sunday just like he worked in my life from Friday to Sunday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's awesome. I mean, it never gets old. I never get tired of it. And I'll talk, I'll put people to sleep because I'll talk about it so much that it just, it, it really enthusiastically just jazzes me like nothing else.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love that. I love the fact that God used the workshop to bring freedom and life to you to get my to your attention, marriage, right? To get your attention, to wake you up, right? Um, right. And, and that clearly like that like it was for you, but yet you didn't just keep it for you. Right. You weren't right. just you weren't just a recipient. You became a conduit. So God gave <laughs> to you, right. but then you continue to give to others in the same way. And I just I love that. I love that story.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because that was the gift that God gave me. And so should something change that, that God says, okay, you're done with that? You're going somewhere else? Okay, great. Great. I'm right. there. I'm there. Right. He has proven himself that he does not have to prove himself anymore with me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's clearly why you decided to work in this particular field. Uh, let me ask this. What's been the best thing? Or best things, you don't have to limit it to one. What's, what's been the best thing about the work?
1: I know this is going to be hard to, to explain and, and hard to probably understand for some folks. But, but the best thing for me has been to, to see when, when guys get it. When the lights go on, when, when you see the light bulb, you know, all of a sudden flicker on that, that you get that, that internal sense that, wow, they understand what needs to happen for change. And that, that I just get to be a little con, like you said, a conduit of that. I just, I just get to be a part of that. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just a guy, you know, I'm just a guy who, who struggled with, you know, pornography and masturbation for years. I, I get to watch God work in real time in the lives of guys month after month after month after month. Or, or as I tell my guys in my groups, I love what I do because it's, I want those guys to get the gift that was given to me. And, and so if if you're willing to do the work, there's freedom, but you have to be willing to do those things you know, those three little words that we hate, whatever uh-huh. it takes, right? It's, it's, yeah. am I willing to do whatever it takes? Yeah. And if I'm willing to do that, God shows up in a way that he doesn't show up anywhere else, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so yeah. for me, yeah. I love to do what I do. So when we talk about, uh, men who are struggling or, or couples that come into my office or couples that I work with to see those guys start to take the lead in their recovery. So they they stop the acting out, but now they become the leaders in their home through the work that we do, and mm-hmm. that is just that is super cool just to watch that yeah. that transformation. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: So when the guys okay. get it, so to answer your question, when guys get it, that's the the coolest moment for me, and because I it's a, I get to see God work in real time. It's it's mm-hmm. really cool. It's really fun for mm-hmm.
0: me. Yeah. I All right. So conver- conversely, what's been the hardest or most challenging thing about the work?
1: Really, the, it, it's it's the converse of that. It's mm. it's when guys, I see walls go up. I see the the fear and the the uh, sense of entitlement and a sense of I know what I need for my life. You don't know what I need. You don't know me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Mm-hmm. When when I'm sitting there talking about exactly what they're doing, right. it's it's, right. The re, it's almost the rejection of the help mm-hmm. that they're they're just saying no. I'm I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do.
0: Yeah,
1: that's the difficult right. piece for me. It's yeah. like it's it's so it's hard work but it's easy to do if you're willing to submit yourself to something greater than yourself right that's right. the hardest piece yeah.
0: right the hard the hard work is the surrender and then god does right. you know the heavy lifting right he does his <laughs> yeah. bit yeah for sure mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm.
1: but yeah that's um, hard when when guys put up a wall and say i'm not going to do this and you're not going to make me, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> right. Now, in the right. beginning of my work, it was really hard and I would get really offended. Now I realize that that's, that's between them and God. That's not between me and them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But it just right. hurts me, especially for the the spouses and the the relationships in their lives right. that could be changed forever by the work that they do. And that's just sad that that for, for those guys, it doesn't happen at least while they're with me now that may move on to somebody else. And, mm-hmm. you know, they decide to, to do the work, but it's just sad when they walk out of my office and I just go, well, if you don't want to do the work, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I can't make mm-hmm. you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is easy for us to take that personally, but we do have to remember that in our own story before we were ready to, to do the work we would have rejected <laughs> it right. no matter who no matter who it was or how well they presented their argument when we weren't ready we would have rejected it we would have rejected the the invitation as well you know Oh exactly that
1: that's what yeah. I've said before you know I I quit about about a thousand times
0: uh-huh before I got serious <laughs> uh-huh. before I got serious uh-huh. right? oh my gosh yeah
1: serious my entire life changed
0: yeah oh yeah that's so true so true and so yeah. good Oh Doug thank you for this. Uh I I'm, mm, I I know you. I know that the audience uh those of you who are listening you you've so enjoyed getting to understand the origin story <laughs> of Doug Barnes and and his role at the Everyman's Battle Workshop and and his role now in the Everyman's Battle podcast. Um so exciting to to get to to hear from you today and and here's the thing guys uh the, Doug is a, is a great example of the guys who lead the, the breakout sessions, the facilitators mm-hmm. at the workshop. Uh, this, is, this is what you get. You get real guys who are willing to be raw and vulnerable with you, who are willing to challenge you, who are willing to come alongside and help you do the work that you need to do. Um, so man, if you haven't already made the call, if you haven't already been, gosh, we, we just encourage you to make the call, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE and find out more about the workshop. Go to newlife.com slash EMB and find out about the workshop, but don't just, don't just inquire. Don't just find out information, make the decision to go, uh, get to that point, right? Like, like Doug talked about today where, Man, you just you, – your life is jacked up, and you're tired of being jacked up, and you're ready to, you're ready to do the work. You're ready, to, you're ready to change that one thing, which is everything. Yeah. And that's going to make the difference. So, Doug, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me here. It's, I, I can't wait to, to really kick this thing up a notch and to, mm-hmm. to start really working through some of the issues that we need to uh, talk about and the stuff that's going on in our own lives. I look forward to that. Thanks, JJ.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. If you need help with sexual
1: integrity, call New Life Ministries at 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433. Or go to newlife.com.